Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody, and happy summer. I'm so excited to be here with you again. It's been a long, long holiday hiatus, and I hope you had an amazing time. I hope you reflected on the year, and I hope you're excited about 2024. So here we are, 2024. For those of you that love the spiritual, astrological side, it is the year of the wooden dragon. And regardless, it is actually, I don't know if you've noticed, I have certainly noticed that in 2024, a lot of things are going to be rising up for people. Things from the past, experiences that you may not have processed, friendships from the past even, things are coming up, emotions from the past are coming up for people to be realized and to be released. So whether that be reflecting on something and finally forgiving someone or releasing tears that you just haven't shed or having that conversation with someone and actually speaking your truth Um, It is the time. It is the year. Let me know if that resonates for you. As you know, you can send us a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. I am so thrilled to have incredible guests, three incredible guests, in fact, lined up for you today and many more coming in future episodes. So today I'm going to be talking to, first up, I'm going to be talking to Wendy V, Wendy Vermeulen, and we'll be talking about soul-aligned living, and optimizing the human experience. Wendy's based in Mount Monganui, Taranga, and she is a human potential coach and podcaster. After that, uh, we are going all the way to Australia. I'm going to be talking to Peter Pham. Now, Peter was on Reality Check Radio a few months back on, I think he talked to Paul or Peter, but this time he's talking to me. And he is a human rights specialist lawyer on empowerment, law, and living with truth. And wrapping up the show today, I will be talking to Basha Meyer, who is a global entrepreneur coach and visionary on New Earth NZ 2024 and her upcoming festival that is happening late Feb, early March. In case you want to come and see me there, I'll actually be speaking at that event uh, up in Northland, which will be really, really cool. If you haven't met me before, if this is your first time on the Up Your Brave show, I'm so thrilled to that you've joined us. This show is all about, um, and I'm just laughing because people always say, if you want to have a pick-me-up, listen to Up Your Brave. If you want to feel good about the world, listen to Up Your Brave. I like that, but I also like to think that we are not um, not shy to talk about a whole host of topics and a whole host of different ways of looking at not just the issues of the day, but the world and humanity and who we are and how we show up in the world. That's what I love to look at. I am an impact and visibility coach, and I do that. I help people with vitality, visibility, and expansive impact, and I do that through connections, collaborations, and courage. You can learn more about me and all the things at upyourbrave.com. One of the things that I'm very excited and impatient about in 2024 is some movement on the COVID inquiry. I'm sure you are too. So here's some hot off the press news that just recently came out. Um, So I'm looking at a press release here from the New Zealand Royal Commission of Inquiry for COVID-19. 
And it is entitled, Hearing from New Zealanders is a Vital Part of Learning the Lessons from COVID-19, says COVID Inquiry Chair. The Royal Commission of Inquiry COVID-19 Lessons Learned has opened a dedicated line online submission site today, so yesterday, um, to hear from people about their experiences. Submissions will be open until 24 of March, 24, 24, 24. So, and they're saying that they want to hear a wide range of views and voices um, and experiences that people have had and their observations of the pandemic, whatever that might be says Commission Chair Professor Blakey. Alongside sharing their experiences of COVID-19, the public also has the opportunity to provide feedback on what an expanded terms of reference for the inquiry might include. The government has said it is committed to expanding the inquiry's terms of reference and has asked us to undertake consultation on its behalf as a broader clarified scope for the inquiry. Ends. Okay, so that's the end of the press release, which I was just reading to you. <laughs> um, and by the way, Voices for Freedom has created a handy information page about the Royal Commission feedback process, including detailed suggestions for terms of reference for the COVID-19 inquiry. So if you're thinking, I want to do something, I don't really know what to do, I'm not really sure how to word it, you can go and check out some of the verbiage and just put submit some of that, possibly in your own words. Um, and it's, you know, it really is important to take your time creating your response, making sure that you don't miss anything. So sometimes going to that, the Voices for Freedom information can be helpful to give you a bit of an overview. Um, and so, and you can be looking at everything from prior pandemic planning to PCR testing, legislation to lockdowns, MIQ to mandates, safety studies to surveillance, and everything in between. Um, it's all there. So you just have it kind of good to go for yourself. You can check that out. www.covidinquiry.co.nz. Again, www.covidinquiry.co.nz and register to receive the comprehensive terms of reference document. Amazing. We will endeavor to make sure that you stay up to date, but if you register, then you will definitely be kept up to date. Uh, but please go ahead and subscribe to the Reality Check Radio email list. You can do that, realitycheck.radio slash email. So www.realitycheck.radio slash email. That's where you can go and subscribe to stay up to date with all the things. I know there's a lot going on, but obviously we really want to make a massive impact. So it's time for us all to put pen to paper or really, you know, digital submission and have our voices heard. 2024 is the year of self-expression and no longer holding back. Amazing. I'm told that there will be an email going out this weekend with an update and links to the important information. So definitely subscribe to that. Amazing. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is Wendy V. We're going to be talking about soul-aligned living and optimizing the human experience. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show, Wendy. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Same. I'm excited to hear some of your wisdom. For those of you that don't know Wendy, Wendy Vermeulen, mm -hmm. Wendy V, well is, is the visionary founder behind SoulFit Mastery, a transformative four-pillared coaching program dedicated to fostering soul-aligned living. 
embarking on a journey into the heart of um, humanizing, humaning, humaning, Wendy explores physical optimization, mindset well-being, the energy that permeates all things, and the authentic understanding of one's spiritual path. Having worked with and supported thousands of people over the years, from young adults finding their way to multinational CEOs, Wendy brings a wealth of experience to her transformative coaching. With over three decades of dedicated study and work in health, wellness, and spirituality, Wendy is a seasoned expert who channels her wealth of knowledge through her highly attuned intuitive gifts. She effortlessly weaves through modern and ancient teachings, as well as scientific and esoteric explorations, crafting a practical and easily applicable toolkit for all. Wendy is not just a guide. She's a living testament to the philosophy that life really can be this good. Uh, you can join her in the journey towards soul alignment and discover the transformative power of soul fit mastery. Ooh, I want to learn all about soul fit mastery. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> uh, so good. I'm going to record that and listen to it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear all about it. Um, before we dive into soul aligned living, because a lot of our listeners will be intrigued and also wondering what that means. I would love to know how have things been for you in the past few years? I know you moved from Auckland to the Mount, Mount Monganui. Um, how's it been going for you? Um, I think, like many, it was an opportunity. It was a great opportunity. It's been a challenging year on so many levels, as it has been for many. However, um, personally, it feels like the last three years life makes even more sense. Mm. And it's almost like everything, the journey I've been on in life, it makes sense for this period. And so the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to change direction a little bit. So even though, um, as we all experience, there has been some challenges and it, it's been mind-blowingly weird, <laughs> it's also been a great gift, actually. Hmm. You geographically changed direction. And then do you mean you also changed direction in your business as well? Yeah, I did, actually. I refined the direction I've been in. And, and yes, geographically, um, it was hard. I always wanted to come and move down here. I was just afraid that um, my life would be too small. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for a small life. I want a big life. And, however, interestingly, my life is bigger now anyway. Mm. And so it's a it's an interesting thing of um, this is part of soul-aligned living of when we just get out of the way and how amazing it is where we actually end up and everything we've been seeking is right there if we just get out of the way. How do you find the energy down there as well? And I don't know where you lived in Auckland. And of course, it's not just about the geographic place. It's the energy of the space, like the house that you're in and the people you surround yourself with. How is the energy for you down there? Yeah, interesting. I was in central Auckland always, and most of my career has been in central Auckland. And so um, that had a lot of benefits as well for me and for my business. Um, and so, yes, the energy here is quite different. Uh more laid back, obviously, which we know about beach living. But what I also really love is how down to earth and communicative people are. And like, I live in a lovely, I'm really blessed. I live in a lovely cul-de-sac. I know all the neighbors. We all mm. know each other. 
And I also live across the road from the beach. So I like walk my dog on the beach every morning. I have a really lovely space that I work from. I work from home. So I have this little sort of yoga studio space that I work from. So yeah, the energy is definitely really positive and yeah, it feels really good. And what I also love is just all the little honesty boxes along the side of the road, you know, the buy the avocados here and, you know, some little plants that you can buy and you just put some coins in. And I just love that so much because we kind of lost that. Well, we have lost that a lot in central Auckland in particular. I know the outskirts still have that a bit, but central, uh, you wouldn't see it. So it's so nice to to see that community connection. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. love an honesty box. <laughs> yeah, I know. It still blows me away. And so there's one um, on the way back to Auckland, and it's like a whole shop. It's a whole like veggie shop, and they just have an honesty box here. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and they're surviving, so people must be honest in general. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. So, speaking of changing direction for our listeners, how many of you in this new year that we're now in, how many of you have quote unquote changed direction, either literally moving to a different place or space? Um, or maybe uh, your pathway in your work or your business or the people you hang with. Um, A lot of people are being very intentional about how they spend their time and energy and um, changing direction. Let us know. You can send us a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. So um, one of the things that you've done is you've moved a little bit more towards the spiritual side of your business, I think. And I know a lot of people are coming out of the spiritual closet, so to speak, a little Mm -hmm. bit more. What is soul aligned living? What is that? And how do we do that? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love it. So as, as you mentioned in my bio, um, I've been in this industry for a really long time, starting in the physical and the fitness industry and having always had that sort of seeking, I was always, have always been a seeker. So that underlying understanding of aligning with that deeper self has always been there. However, obviously over all that time, and I'm always learning and discovering things I wasn't always clear about how that was and what that um, mission was or what that calling was that I was working with with clients. I knew I was working intuitively and I knew that I could see beyond the stuff and the personality and what I call the human, the humaning. And so, um, however, I it's really been since I've been here and I've been able to step away from a lot of the bread and butter work that I was doing, which was like a lot of classes and coaching and things like that and and had a studio space. And so being more having more space has really cultivated that understanding plus some some continued training that I always do and I'm working with uh, something called the soul master keys. And that really solidified the concept of I, it's I'm a soul mediator. So what I find when I'm in a coaching session, is that I'm able to create that alignment between where people are experiencing the discord. There is a discord that they can feel, and often there's this searching by doing different things, like I'll just train a bit harder or I'll just go on a diet or I'll do this course or I'll you know, do these things or maybe it's the relationship or maybe it's the job. Whereas when we really drop all of that and drop into soul 
and the the essence and the true foundational for want of a better word coding of the soul then we can um get that clarity and then it doesn't mean that instantly life sorts itself out however we have like a north star and we have an alignment and we have a clarity of like where to listen to the guidance system and and i find that once people find that alignment there's this real exhale mm. and it's just like dropping into a knowing and what's great about that is then we all get like bombarded by so many options and so many directions and so many courses we could do and so many people we could work with. However, when we then drop into this, well, what is the true uh, calling or um, direction that I'm being pulled to? And then it just makes so much sense. It makes everything drop away. And then it's there's an ease, a lot more ease because we're like, well, I'm on my path and that's all that really matters. The first path you were talking about really makes me think of this trial and error approach where people are like, I'll try this and then I'll try that. Or someone said, said this was a good idea or my parents always expected me to do that or I've trained for this, so I may as well follow that path. You know, all the things that we do as people. Um, but it just sounds like something everyone would want coming back to, as you say, dropping into soul essence to find clarity. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Mm, it's and and this is what I mean about this this sense of exhale. It's so powerful when people just connect to their soul, and it's so beautiful because we've all done it as well. We've all had those moments when we've had these experiences, maybe in a meditation or on a retreat, or even even as simple as reading. You know, I'm sure you we've all had that experience where we're reading words in an amazing book and it's like, I could have written this because it sounds like exactly what I align with. And, and that's soul communication. And there are all these moments where we where we just feel it. We feel alignment. And that's the guidance system. You know, that's the guidance system of like, yes, follow that. Yes, follow this. Yes, follow that. And there is, you know, in in the in the program of of the four pillars, there is all the other aspects of like let's look after our human as well. The human is here, you know. This is how we're having the journey. However, let yourself be guided by by your soul alignment, and and it just makes life a lot easier. Like you say, you're not always being um, thrown around the wind mm. going that direction and this direction. Everything looks, you know, shiny objects. <laughs> How can we let ourselves be guided, as you say? Because I imagine logic comes in. People like, I feel pulled towards this, but, and then they throw logic on top, but that can't be possible because X, Y, Z. How can we follow that calling or the guidance a little bit more easily? Well, I think it's perfect in this. Uh, first of all, up your brave. <laughs> That's one. Um, there is a, a courage needed. Um, raising our vibration, understanding that um, what it is that we want to align with will raise our vibration and we can feel that. And if we are in a higher vibrational state, it's easier for us to align with that. And then it's not so high. The logic hasn't got the same impact. And the other thing is um, understanding our coding. And this is where I think the soul master keys are so great 
Um, and we have so many ways that we can understand our coding, things like, you know, human design and things like um, numerology and things like astrology. And there's so many ways that we can get a better understanding of our our coding, our essence, our, our framework. And that allows us to have a clearer understanding of our non-negotiables. And then once we have some clearer understanding of our non-negotiables, we then um, set in place rituals, routines to con constantly align with that. Because if we, uh, you know, those, those are non-negotiable for me, those rituals and routines and for my clients, because otherwise we get lost in humaning again and the human takes over, you know, and that's, yeah, that makes sense. It's, you know, I just have these visions all the time. I, I always like, I love working with the concept of we're living in a simulation. And so from that perspective of imagining that our human is our avatar, it's our player. So we get to be the player. However, mm. this player, this character has certain framework and limitations. It's like if you play a computer game, you get certain tools, certain things that that character can do, and another character will do something else. So you can't play the other character. You can only play the character you've got with your tools and your abilities. And then you go through life with that character with those tools and abilities catching the treasures gaining more vitality more life until you pass that level and so um that's what i think is uh, soul aligned living is understanding like play the game that you've chosen to play instead of the game that uh, you've been told to play maybe yeah, then you've been told to play or that you're seeing somebody else play because mm -hmm. that's a big one so imagine if we are in a game and you and I have chosen a different character. And so my character has certain amount of weapons and abilities in the game and yours has separate weapons and abilities. And I might be looking at you playing the game going, oh, I need to use that weapon or I need to use that ability. And it just doesn't work. And I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying to make it fit and it just won't fit because this character doesn't have those tools and abilities. We can gain lots of tools and abilities and we can kind of rewrite the character a little bit. But mainly we're going, okay, play your game and just enjoy everybody else playing theirs. You know, we're, we're playing it together and it's a... Yeah, it's a it's a way to sort of grasp the concept of how do we do humaning in a soul aligned way. It's such a great way to think of it. And also, I mean, I've got teenagers, so it's a great analogy <laughs> and I'm always doing life lessons with mom. And so it's a great analogy for the teens, but also for the adults, like thinking, you know, yeah, don't just look at the other person. And a lot, what I've seen a lot of people do is, oh, well, easy, lucky for her, easy for her. She's got a ladder and she's got a sharper, you know, bow and arrow than I do. That's right. So people start comparing what they don't have and other people have it better. But it's like, well, how can you get something different in your basket or how can you use what you've yeah, got? Yeah, that's right. So follow, your, where you're follow the cues. And like, you know, when we think of a game and you go, and you've got a little bit of treasure and it goes, and you've got a new tool, you know, to work with. And so it's like, keep following, keep following those cues we were just talking about, those, those little nudges and those things that interest you. That's where the treasure is. That's where you're going to get the new weapons. That's where you're going to win the game. You know, and, and when we're trying to watch and follow somebody else's game, 
it was funny. I had a session with a guy the other day, and we were talking about he was he was literally, literally so overwhelmed and confused about which direction to go in life. Mm-hmm. And we were using the analogy of the player where his his player had gone to the toilet, and the characters just standing there, hovering, <laughs> <laughs> hovering on the spot, waiting for the, the player to come back because he was so confused. It's like just play the game, just make a move, <laughs> just move forward. You're yeah, okay. exactly. Move forward, move forward. Exactly. Nudge the needle, move forward, and you'll find and just follow the follow the cues and you'll find the treasures. And <laughs> I want to come back to something you said earlier, which was around non-negotiables. Because I think also coming into the new year, you know, people have resolutions about what they're going to achieve, but hopefully also, maybe more importantly, about what they're not going to do anymore. You know, I talk mm-hmm. about having a um, a done list. Like, what are you done with? You know, habits, yeah. duties, obligations, expectations, et cetera, friendships, whatever. Um, tell me a little bit more about the non-negotiables. What do you mean by that? And what are some examples that uh, serve people well to have in their repertoire of non-negotiables? And I'm sure that many of your guests have shared a lot of these non-negotiables, like my number one non-negotiable that I have years, forever and ever and ever, way before the woo-woo shared with my clients is meditation. So it's like, number one, meditation is your non-negotiable. It just is. Because of the fact that if when we wake up in the morning and we think we are the character, we need to create that space and go, okay, what is my soul alignment? What is my soul telling me? What is the communication? What is the true north that I'm looking for at the moment? What is out of alignment? All of those, all of that information is available to us when we meditate. So when we just be quiet and even a guided meditation, just that drop in just coming into the listening, the the internal environment. And I always, you know, encourage first thing in the morning, like even if you do a couple of meditations, and I also say meditation, if nothing else, do (laughs) meditation. Just lie in bed consciously waking up so that you lie there, you feel the sheets, you feel the air, you you appreciate your bed, you appreciate the moment, you appreciate your room, your life, and you just take a real conscious moment before you unconsciously start your day. Mm. So it's just that conscious waking even and just take 10 conscious breaths, that mindfulness even, just start there, just meditation. I mean, how much easier do we need to start? <laughs> I love that phrase. That's so cool. I also wrote down, listen before the list, because what a lot of people do, I think, is they suddenly go into like, what day is it? What what? To, and yes. they go right into their to-do list in their brain, and then they're in, the, in their body, they start doing it. But what you just said was about listening, like drop in, listen, like be present, listen before that you get into that to-do list. Yes, exactly. And into and all to the details. And one thing to remember also is that in this realm, in this realm of existence, in the humaning experience, what is wonderful about this and so unique in this experience is the fact that we have chocolate and coffee and we can touch things and we can pet our animals and smell and all these wonderful things. So the senses is the gift that we have in this time. However, the senses, is it's all information. And so the minute that we wake up and we receive all that information, it's a lot of information already. And, we're, and it's constant, constant, constant. And there's so much 
much information coming in through the eyes. So once we open our eyes and we go out into the day, there's all that processing. And when we think about it, that processing, that information has got everything we see has a whole story behind it. You know, you see your partner first thing in the morning, there's a whole story behind that. So instantly that program for want of a better word, I always say like imagine a window opening up or a cookie coming in or, a, you know, and so it's just sort of going, okay, well, that program has now opened up. When you were sleeping, mm-hmm. you were unaware of that and you had a moment to reset and re, you know, defragment the computer really, you know, reset. And so when we open our eyes, all those stories, all that information, all that data comes in and all throughout the day we're receiving, receiving, receiving data all the time. So that need to be very conscious before we allow all of that in. It's like, where am I coming from? Where am I inside all of this? So non-negotiables meditation daily or meditation what are a few what are a few other ones that you've got um the movement movement of any sort like i really love working out and exercising but any form of movement um just simple things roll downs that sort of thing just stretch the body mobilize be connected to the body spinal mobility movement all of that sort of thing um or exercising dancing so movement is really a non-negotiable any form of movement one of the programs that i have is called youngering and part of youngering is move it or lose it. You know, you you have to keep moving. And it's about catching all those little niggles at when they're still niggles. Otherwise, we accidentally wake up one day and we're old. And so it's like, well, actually, you could catch that a lot sooner. And so that's a big thing. Um, journaling. So, th- so if we were to say my top five, journaling would be one as well, uh, either morning or night or both. Again, it gives a communication with soul. It gives us an opportunity. The way I love to journal is I do a brain dump. So that's my human having a go and maybe having a rant and talking from that perspective. And then I pause, I take a few breaths, and then I write again, and it always comes from soul. There is like an answer to what I was ranting about. There's some advice. It's almost like I'm sitting with a friend. There's always a comeback, always some pearls of wisdom. Sometimes when I read back, I'm like, did I write that? You know, so the the journaling is super powerful, and it's a it's just something that you don't need to include anybody else in, but you're still getting that support and clarity. So journaling is a big one. Thank you for mentioning some structure about that, because I was going to say to you, like, do you have a time limit or do you just kind of free flow? Right. But I love that you kind of do this brain dump rant, whatever, just the humaning, get that out and then just allow and just see what comes from your pen. And you just. How, how much so time beautiful. do you generally spend? Are we talking like half an hour? No, like I don't, no honestly, sometimes it's like one page, bang. Yeah. That's it. And other times I'm like page, five, 10 pages, you yeah, know, it just yeah. depends what's there and what's coming through, you know. It's just it's just a matter of, and I don't journal every single day. Um, it, yeah, it's just, it's more intuitive really, but it is consistency in the sense mm-hmm. that like it's not like once a week and then once a month. It's definitely miss a day. I always say with consistency, it's okay to miss one day. You just don't miss two mm-hmm. on anything. So if you miss meditation one day, just don't miss two. If you miss exercising or movement one day, don't miss two. Mm. That's great. So you mentioned there were five things. I We got meditation, movement, journaling. 
Well, this one's probably not everybody's favorite, but and it may be not a non-negotiable because it's not maybe for everybody, but um, cold showers, cold exposure, ice baths, something like that. I can't even begin to say how life-changing it is. It's really powerful. Even if it's just cold showers, like a 30-second cold shower at the end of a, a shower, really powerful. A lot of my, um, uh, especially the men, a lot, but a lot of clients are really getting some big shifts. And for me personally, like I also do a lot of biohacking work and lots of work around biohacking and mitochondria and anti-inflammatory because again, that helps us to align to soul when we when the body is optimized. Mm-hmm. When the body is optimized, then that's not going to get in the way. If we're walking around with a sluggish body, brain fog, inflammation, aches and pains, low energy, it's not that easy to then sit and be connected to soul high vibing you know Mm. you're not you're not going to high vibe when you're in that sort of state so ice baths and cold exposure really are powerful and one of the things with um, clients is the mindset shift and what I love about ice baths is that I really see it as overcoming the body overcoming the humaning because it's the human that's going oh my god it's cold I'm freezing this hurts I'm not I don't want to do this and if we like uh Satguru always says I'm not the mind I'm not the body I'm not the mind I'm not the body so you can repeat that as over and over and over another one that I quite like that I use is um I have no opinion of this so I'm in it and I'm just going I have no opinion of this and (laughs) And coming to a place of saying, first of all, I have no opinion. I can formulate an opinion and I can decide later, no, it is cold. But initially, I'm like, I have no opinion of this. It just brings me into neutral. Yeah. And I also use it quite often to really, 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 really evoke like a strong emotion. Like if I'm trying to manifest something and I'm just like ranting going, I am this, I'm, you know, my, my, um, affirmations of sort or like if I'm trying to really manifest something I like get in the ice bath which is a you know stimulating environment and then from there really create that alignment with what it is I'm manifesting so yeah so I'm a fan I'm a fan of the ice baths but isn't it so fascinating just on your journey but like from the bio you had this fitness background and now it's like it's still integrating that knowledge and that wisdom around the um inflammation and the body and and bringing it together but with this more spiritual side it's so amazing yeah so with the soul fit mastery really is four pillars that like get to the ultimate thing is soul alignment it's always the ultimate outcome is soul alignment and we have this physical being and i love it i love this physical being and everything it can do and i love the journey in learning about it and stuff so yeah it's definitely a big 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 part of my journey and and our journey on earth you know to, we we have this and it's like we we don't look after it enough sometimes and also there are so many ways that we can get it to, you know, play along and we can have a, a good, good ride, really. How, so how can we, we expect life to be? Like if we do, I'm not saying like, okay, you know, okay, Wendy V, if I do the meditation and the movement, like, then I'll be all aligned. But it's like, if we do genuinely want to move more towards a soul aligned way of living, soul fit living, like what are some of the ways that this shows up in terms of um, 
what what does it look like? How does it feel when we are doing that? Things just flow easily. Life is more oh, yeah, joyful. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, the, you know, the word that keeps coming back is high vibe, mm-hmm. you know, and high vibe and resilience and adaptability. And ultimately, and it sounds over the top, however, when you're living it, it's not, it's being superhuman from the perspective of what we think humaning is, because it's not actually superhuman. It's actually the way that we're meant to be, the way that we're meant to be. And we live sub, yeah. sub level, like it, it, it's, it's um, upsetting to see the things, the way we live. And what I'm grateful for in this big shift is that people are just not accepting that anymore. Yeah. You know, the, the old story, we're questioning everything, which is fantastic. We're questioning everything on a global scale and we're questioning everything in, in, our, in our own lives and the, the beliefs we've had and the way that we thought life is supposed to be. And, you know, the, so often you'll, I'll meet a client and outwardly they look like they've got it all and they question it because they're like, What's wrong with me? Like I've got everything I could possibly want. Why am I not happy? And it's like, yes, you've, you're living a great life. It's just not your life. It wasn't the life you were destined to live. And so your soul is like slowly, slowly, slowly trying to get your attention. It's buried under all this stuff. And then so it's like this eventually either you get sick and you just live live out your life until it's over and you didn't live the potential or eventually you just cannot ignore it anymore and drastic things happen. What are some of the starter questions? Like if someone comes to you and they're like, I just feel like, sure, I've ticked all these boxes, but I don't feel fulfilled. I don't know if I'm on my path and my purpose. What is like one of the starter questions that my audience can ask themselves and ponder and maybe journal on? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, with the tools that I use, like the master keys and 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 like for you as well, using things like human design and like people using those, I think those are good places to start because mm-hmm. quite often when people get that reflected back to them, they go, yes, that is, yes, you're right. That is exactly me. And then that is a good opportunity to go, okay, so now let's look at this number one issue you may have come to me with and how does that align? How how can you see, does that align? Can you bring the, you you know, your way of being, the way that your soul wants to express itself into the life you already have. So it doesn't always mean that you need to turn your life upside down. It's just like, how can you align more with the keys that you have and the coding that you have? Can you live more in alignment? So I think for people to ask themselves that is like in meditation, in journaling, maybe sitting with like, say, if there is one particular thing, like say if somebody was going to go see a coach or a therapist or something, what would they go and see them for? Write that down into the journal. And then from there and go, is what is it in my life that is out of alignment with this or what my soul would want? Or what are some of the qualities that I have as a human? Like you might be, um, I like to be playful. I like to joke around. I love to, um, I really need connection with people or I need time to myself. So we look at all these character traits and all these um, intrinsic needs. And then we look at, okay, so is your life at the moment allowing that expression? That's a good place to start with journaling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think people will know, I think things will be bubbling to the 
to the forefront for some people listening, because often if there's something out of alignment, we do know what it is often. And I think, yeah, focusing on that one area and getting someone to help you with the the questions and the accountability always helps as well. Mm. Um, I'd love to ask you about, you know, the four questions that I ask most of my guests. The first one is up your brave. What is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, definitely um, exposing my woo more (laughs) and um, being brave enough to trust that following my soul alignment and truly, truly doing only saying yes to what I'm passionate about and saying no to anything that I may be choosing to do because of the money or because it's convenient or because it's a a should. So absolutely only saying yes to the things I truly want and seeing how that has manifested in my life and the freedom it's given. So that has definitely required some bravery mm. initially to, to trust that process and to let go of, of, of a lot of um, what I'd built for 20, 30 years. So that was, that was a bit of a brave move. Mm. What about going forward? Sometimes I call it the bucket list or we can think about like going forward. Is there something that you're wanting to do where you have to up your brave um, in 2024? Yes, more um, what I'd like to do is um, ha- be more um, visible. Um, the online thing has been something newish for me um, as far as building the business and and building a community. So that side of things is something I'm really focusing on. Still having that real community feel, which in the past has always built through just word of mouth and being in round people. So that's something I really want to work on and um, continuing really on the path that I'm on. I think that's just my current bucket list for next year is just I have a real clear vision now and bringing the program out of, you know, all these things. So, yeah, I think that's nothing bigger than that. It's not like um, jumping out of an airplane or anything like that right now. <laughs> all good. Um, what is coming up for you? What is coming up that we maybe is good for us to know about in terms of your business and your work or even some travel that you might be doing? And how can people connect with you online? Great. Well, one thing is um, my Soulful Escape Retreat, which is like my, I'm so passionate about. I've been running retreats for about 12 years. And the last year we ran um, a retreat, Soulful Escape Retreat in um, Abel Tasman in Araroa. And it's nice. just so profound. And it was based on the Soulfit Mastery Five um, of the Four Pillars. And so we, um, it was so profound. It was a beautiful environment, everything. So we're running another one in April. And that's going to, that's just, it's just such a beautiful environment. So I'm really excited about that. And it really is my life's work. And I love the fact that in a retreat, we have the time to sit with things. One of the things I love the best is that when we have a session and everybody's all blissed out or they're in the, having a, a moment or an experience that I can leave them with it. It's not like, okay, guys, got to go now. There's another class or another session. They can just really, really you know, sit in that. And and that's what I love so much about retreats. So retreats is my buzz. And um, yeah, I also have a coaching container as well, a mentoring container. The uh, the retreat would be what I would say. That's a good place to start. And a good place- Is, is the retreat guys and girls or mainly women coming along? Mainly women, not that it's exclusively for women. I think the thing is like I do have an application process because I do like to let people know where we're going with it, what the Mm -hmm. intention is, what we will be covering 
for two reasons. First of all, that they get out of it what they were expecting. And second of all, that the group is really cohesive because it is a lot about energy and it is a very energetically transformative experience. And so if we all are on the same journey to some degree, it's just so powerful as the last one was, you know, half of the power of the retreat was the transformation that everybody had together. And they've made, they've made like lifelong friendships. Like one of them is basically moving moved in together and it's just these amazing experiences. So that is really important. So I think that's where it is open um, to men and women, but there is the application process just to make sure everybody's in the same, you know, mindset. Oh, retreats are so powerful. I did my first retreat last year, um, my escape to the forest, and then I've got another one coming up this year in March. So I totally agree. How can people find out more about either the retreat or the soul fit living, the, the container group that you coach as well? Um, so the website is um, should be getting updated, should be updated soon, but it's a good place to start, wendy-v.com. The other thing is where I'm most active is Instagram. So that's mm-hmm. Evolve NZ. And I also have my second Instagram, which is Pranabar NZ. And that Instagram page is a little bit more around the biohacking, more around vitality, health and well-being. So it's, you know, the, it sort of goes into two areas. So I would say, yeah, Instagram is the number one thing um, that I put most of my energy in. Okay, amazing. So um, everyone, you can check out Wendy. Wendy, is it hyphen V hyphen? Yeah, the line. The line. Okay. <laughs> the middle line, not the bottom line. Got yeah. Dot com. And also we will put the links on the replay page. So if you're listening to this, you can go and check it out later. Um, or just send us a text 2057 and we'll connect you. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Anything else you think that Kiwis, you know, in early 2024, anything else we should be pondering for ourselves or for humanity? What else do you want to, um, what other seeds do you want to plant before we say farewell? Well, one thing I would say, and I'm very passionate about this whole high vibe and this whole understanding and creating the reality and living as superhumans and understanding that is focus on what you want, not what you don't want. So let's speak that, speak that. I say all the time, our words are like spells. We are spelling things into reality. And so what are you talking about? What are you sharing? What is the vibration and the content of what you're talking about? And as Kiwis, we tend to want to kind of play things down or be a little bit sort of more humble and out. But this year, let's drop that. And I really encourage like talk yourself up, talk your friends up, really talk the country up and just talk the world up and just hold that higher vision and just really speak, speak the high vibe stuff. That's what I would intend and encourage for this year in order to turn the ship. (laughs) Love it. Let's do that. Thank you so much, Wendy, for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. We're talking to Wendy V on Soul Aligned Living, Optimizing the Human Experience. Oh, I absolutely loved connecting with Wendy V. We talked about Soul Aligned Living, Optimizing the Human Experience. And Wendy and I actually optimized the human experience. Um, I went to Tauranga in the summer and caught up with her IRL in real life, in person. And subsequent to that, you know, we've connected again on... um, Messenger. And I invited her to lead 
a Mount Maunganui-based version of my Empowered Connections Club, which is basically in-person connections for expansive impact for business owners, healers, coaches, leaders, speakers in different areas. I'm expanding across New Zealand. And Wendy, uh, just a few days ago, actually held the very first one. And we tried to do it at a beach. And if the weather's not fab in a cafe. So contact Wendy if you are in that area and you want to learn more. Contact me if you're not in that area and you want to learn about a club coming your way soon because I'm launching about six of them in the next few weeks. So in this interview with Wendy, we talked about dropping into soul essence to find clarity, creating alignment between the discord, and a little bit on the soul master keys and non-negotiables with rituals and routines in your life. And how we can really truly connect. And she does an in-person retreat called Soulful Escape Retreat. I believe it's happening in April. You can learn all about it. Either follow her on Instagram on Evolve NZ or on socials. Note her website, wendy-v.com. And you can learn more about Wendy's amazing upcoming retreat, her course that she does, um, where she helps people come together. She does a lot of also biohacking, like ice baths and breathing and things like that. She's absolutely incredible. Get in touch with her. She has a wealth of knowledge in all areas around meditation, movement, journaling, and all the things. So, so cool. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on the Up Your Brave show. And today I'm talking to Peter Pham, all the way over in Australia. We're going to be talking about empowerment, law, and living with truth. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Natalie. Great to be here. I'm excited to dive in. We really have uh, a bit of an idea and also no idea where this conversation is <laughs> going to go and flow, and I kind of like it that way. For those of you that don't know Peter, Peter Pham is a human rights specialist lawyer and the principal lawyer at Matt's Method, the only non-government-funded human rights law firm in Australia. Go you. Peter is also a director of Children's Health Defense Australia. His goal is to defend and advocate for universal law, which means to defend and advocate for Matt, which is M-A-A-T, which means truth. In the last few years, Peter has worked within the system challenging the TGA, uh, Brendan Murphy, the Department of Health, and several large corporations in Australia's highest courts, focusing on defending bodily autonomy and informed consent, discrimination on the basis of medical status, censorship, censorship, and free speech, and challenging the legality of government decisions in the context of COVID-19 and the broader globalist movement underpinning it. Peter has a background in human rights-focused civil litigation in both the private and government sectors, and he focuses primarily on tort law, administrative law, privacy law, discrimination law, and other areas of civil litigation with a human rights focus. Peter also has particular expertise regarding the international human rights framework that Australia is a signatory to. Wow, that is quite a background, and I'd love to dive into a little more um, about how you got here. Like, how did you get to the point where this was your thing? This is your focus. And obviously going up against some of those big players. Um, how did you come to be here? 
Yeah, um, it's been a real roller coaster. <laughs> um, I was born in uh, Western Sydney in a, a very poor area, um, and we didn't have much growing up. My parents came to Australia from Egypt um, just before I was born. Uh, my mother is uh, Coptic, which is an uh, ethnic group indigenous to Northern Africa, Egypt. My father is uh, partly Nubian, which is a group indigenous to the southern part of Egypt and northern Sudan. But I was pretty much divorced from that and, and grew up here um, in Australia in a society that um, I never felt like I really belonged to and didn't really understand why. Um, grew up with really strong feelings that everything here was a little bit strange and a little bit weird. I couldn't understand why people were living in the way that they were living why there were homeless people on the street and everybody was just ignoring them, um, why um, the things that I thought were interesting and valuable or felt valuable to me were kind of rejected or, or um, pushed away or, or um, just not, not valued by the people around me. And I just grew up being very ashamed of myself and, and feeling like I didn't belong, um, thinking there was something wrong with me. Um, eventually, and I'm making a long story very short, um, I grew up and began to see things a little differently. And through a process of learning more about actually who I was and more about who my ancestors were and that there were other forms of human society that have existed that were very different to the one that currently dominates the world, I began to understand that maybe there isn't something wrong with me, but maybe there's something wrong with the systems I'm living in. Um, became a lawyer, hated it. I hated the law degree. I scraped through it. I was dissociating and escaping with all kinds of unhealthy coping mechanisms and and dealing with the childhood that I had as well at the same time. Um, and then eventually came to this thought of, oh, maybe, um, maybe I can try to help people and maybe I can try and do what I feel like is right with my law degree, um, which I which I sort of begrudgingly had. Um, and went into private practice as a lawyer, um, working as a human rights lawyer. Um, I thought that was going to be the way to do what I want to do in the world. And it was always, you know, if I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a human rights lawyer, which a lot of lawyers, a lot of uh, people who study law have that dream of I want to be a human rights lawyer. And most end up in corporate law making money. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, I did um, a few jobs um, in a few different law firms, private practice, like big firm in the city. And I was working with um, survivors of institutional abuse. Australia has a really terrible, disgusting history of um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychiatric abuse in government-run institutions and religious institutions as well. Um, and then eventually got a job, which was like kind of like a dream job as a human rights lawyer in a human rights specialist team. The thing in Australia, though, is that all the human rights legal practices are funded by the government because there's no money in human rights law. Mm. And I ran into this problem where there were boundaries cast around what I was allowed to do and what I was allowed to say. And I didn't like that. I had already been depressed working in other areas of law that didn't resonate with who I was. I don't like compromising myself. I don't like compromising what I believe to be true. And I had just learned enough about the world that we live in at that point in time to have really strong um, principles um, about 
the way that things were and what was wrong with the systems that have been set up around us, including the legal system. Um, I don't want to go on too much about this, but I'll just give two brief examples and then explain how that leads to where I am now. First example is I was doing a lot of work around um, the Indigenous communities in Australia, who especially in the rural sub uh, towns are hounded by the police. Like they get, people wouldn't believe what happens in those communities in terms of the interactions between the police and the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. There was one kid whose family I was working with who had been killed by a police officer. The kid witnessed the police officer um, executing a drug deal and the police officer saw the kid see him doing the drug deal. And this is a bit of a, a, a conspiracy in Australia, but the police are quite heavily involved in the drug trade, especially in rural Australia. Um, anyway, the kid is killed in the context of a police pursuit. And the family strongly believes that the, the kid was killed by the police on purpose. And rather than do the legal claim that I was sort of enlisted to do, they wanted to go to the media. And I agreed with them. I thought, yep, good idea. The best way to raise awareness about what's going on in the, in your community is to go to the media. And I went to my superiors and asked, can we go to the media? Um, and we weren't allowed to because the CEO of the legal practice I was working for was very good friends with the commissioner of police and the, the of funding of the service would be jeopardized. And and all this. So that was the first strike. The second strike was COVID-19 rolls around and I'm speaking out about the public health directives, the vaccine mandates. Um, I'm doing work on the side and I'm writing articles and posting them online about how what the government is doing is not lawful, which I still believe. They were academic articles. They weren't um, controversial i wasn't trying to be inflammatory i was saying here's what the law says here's what the government's doing and here's why it doesn't actually align with the precedent that's been around for more than 100 years in terms of the, the law in this area um but when one of those articles went quite viral um i started getting complaints made to my employer and pulled into disciplinary meetings and once again i was faced with this scenario where i had a choice to make between being authentic um, speaking the truth, being myself, or compromising because in this case I wanted to keep my job or I wanted to keep a secure income or whatever. And I knew because um, I've I've been faced with that choice before between what's right versus what's secure or what's easy. And I know that if you make the secure, easy choice, uh, for me, it leads to depression because I'm not living in alignment with who I actually am. And that's not much of a choice for me anymore because I've tasted what that's like. So I have to take the hard road um, and do what I know is right. And in this, in that case, I decided I couldn't work for any of the human rights practices. I had to start my own practice that didn't rely on government funding. And that's I started my arts method, which is the firm that I run now. Um, my art, as you said, Natalie, at the start, is the deity, the comedic deity, which is ancient Egypt, ancient Egyptian spiritual framework um, that represents truth. Now, in ancient Egypt, truth is not something that is divorced from reality. Truth and justice are the same thing, and it's like a string that exists in everything. It can't be extrapolated from our existence here. We can sort of distract ourselves from it, but it's always there. And my job 
and the way that I see my job is that I'm not necessarily a lawyer within the legal system that currently exists because the legal system that currently exists is corrupted and broken and poisoned and like all of the other systems we're currently living in is out of balance with the core foundational principles that our species as human beings has upheld as sacred for hundreds of thousands of years. That's not my priority. I work in that system, but my priority, my role is I'm a lawman. I'm a keeper of law, which is how the ancient Egyptians saw lawyers. And it's not just my ancestors, the ancient Egyptians. All of our ancestors um, had very similar um, societal and cultural norms that were followed, including legal systems that operated not as a sort of separate building that you go to to solve disputes in, but as an intrinsic element of the social and cultural framework that all of our ancestors lived in. Um, so as a lawman, my job is to uphold, defend and advocate for that truth and maybe to remind people sometimes of what that truth is. Um, but everybody has that inside of them. Everybody has a tether to that truth that I'm talking about. Um, we've just been conditioned to forget about it and to live in a way that keeps us kind of looking through a distorted glass at it rather than actually in communion with it. Um, so that's a truncated, clumsy version of <laughs> how I got here. <laughs> well, there's so much in that. There's so many th ways we could go with that. I'll start at the, at the very end. I think, yeah, one of the positives, I suppose, that has come out of the last three to four years is that now more people have been ignited to, as you say, uphold, defend, and advocate for truth. Like the truth that's within them, but that's never really been challenged maybe to the same extent before. Did you see a lot of Australians like in the circles that you were in or the geographical place that you were in during the past three to four years, did you see a lot of Australians yourself really rising up and starting to advocate for truth as well, like you were? Yeah. Were you kind of on uh your own? No, uh, yeah, there's a huge um, awakening going on. Everybody's aware of it. You know, there's green shoots everywhere. I think that Australia is a nation of people who are um, quite desensitised from truth and even the, the context of what Australia is means that most people have never faced these uncomfortable questions before. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a human rights lawyer before COVID, and I only say that because some people really focus on the last three years. But the last three years is an intensification of something that was going on long before that, as you know, and I'm sure most of your viewers know as well. Um, in Australia, there is, you know, the awakening is happening. There are communities of people springing up. There are alternative systems springing up. Everybody kind of knows now that the government is corrupt. Um, there are transnational corporations and bureaucratic conglomerates trying to push humanity in a particular direction, pursuant to a particular plan. That's very apparent to everybody. Um, for some people, it's just a case of, and you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to get into the, the what's causing this. Is there some big story of some big plan? You can just think about the the context of our own lives and you look at the way that we live. And this is how I kind of um, started to question the things around me. I was like, this doesn't really make sense. Why is the water that we're drinking, the air that we breathe, um, the food that we eat not fit for human consumption? Why do we live sedentary lifestyles that literally disable us and and um, stop us from living 
the mobile active lives that we're supposed to live as human beings why are we increasingly isolated increasingly reliant on technology having these conversations over video call i do it as well but this is not the way that we're supposed to be living and you talk to any elder from any tribe that retains some of the ancient knowledge and they can trace back to systems societies and cultures and you have to go back pretty far because people don't like it when i talk about this um and they say oh this is the most advanced human society that's ever existed oh right um that's like that is a um a myth that is propagated to make us more um willing to comply with the systems that we're currently trapped within we are living as diluted forms of our true selves and luckily we all feel enough of our power that we can't really be convinced anymore that we're not powerful but there's still a lot of remembering for us to do in terms of who we actually are what we're actually capable of how we're actually supposed to be living and we all get a little sense of that when we go to the beach and connect with nature for a little while or we um engage in certain practices like fasting or meditation or gardening or exercise things that everybody does and feels better when they do and begins to understand a little bit more about um the disconnect in what we do most of the time that maybe doesn't serve us versus the type of lifestyles that we could be living that would empower us to not actually settle for anything that's currently going on in society i think a lot of people hopefully more and more daily see that that uh, but not everyone does you know that we have in a way been dumbed down or suppressed um and interesting what you said earlier before, if you hadn't followed your own path, if you were to just go along with it and and um, compromise and live out of alignment, you would have ended up depressed. Well, a lot of people do. And then what happens? They end up on pharmaceuticals. And and so it is. They're a lifelong customer. So it, it's an interesting, if we can just bring ourselves back or have the courage to live in alignment and to say no, or to not compromise our values. And I think more people have done that in the last um more and more you know over the last few years but um it's been it's been a, something coming a long time coming i think for people to realize how we have been suppressed in a way um let's talk about the overarching topic today is i'm calling it empowerment law and living with truth how do you think we can be more empowered then as a society some of us knowing and some of us not knowing that we've been dumbed down in a way um, how can we live and be more empowered going forward? Wow, what a question. Um, I think that it's just listening to the voice inside. Um, as soon as every time you know what you're supposed to do in a situation and you actually do it, which takes courage because usually there's some resistance. Like a great example is the last three years, obviously. You know, a lot of us were in situations where if you didn't get a particular drug, you were ostracized from society, you lost your job, um, maybe your relationship, your close relationships were, were damaged. Um, there was a lot of resistance to doing what you believe to be right and true. But every single person I know who made the choice that aligns with what they knew to be true does not regret it. Mm. And it's it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. In my own experience, that choice of doing what's right was much more difficult the first few times I made it. I was terrified. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? But once I showed myself that I was capable of doing what I believed to be true, 
the feedback that I received from the universal source or God or whatever you want to call it was so powerful. And we're talking about empowerment. Mm-hmm. True empowerment is doing what you know is right, irrespective of the consequences. Because when you show yourself that you can do that, it gets easier and easier and easier. And not only that, your life actually gets better because even if there are some short-term material consequences, you begin living more in alignment with what you actually believe in and who you actually are, which, as we said before, is much, much, much more pleasurable and less painful than the alternative. Because like when I was a lawyer, uh, and I'm still a lawyer, but when I was a lawyer in the big firms, I used to go to the senior lawyers and ask them, do you like your job? Like, are you happy? Because I was trying to decide what to do. Like, do you, are you enjoying this? And they would always give me this complicated answer. It was always very similar where they would, they would say, oh, look, uh, it's very stressful. I don't see my family very often. Um, I've got this health problem and this health problem. Um, I don't get to exercise as much as I would like. And they'd list all these negative things. And then they'd say, oh, but the money's good or, oh, but, uh, but it's, comfortable or they'd give me this little thing that I didn't care about as the reason why they're doing the job. And then when they said all of that, I'd look at them and I could just see etched in the lines in their face and their posture and their whole energy, just how unhappy and dissatisfied they were. And you can only live in that state for so long, you know, whether it's in the course of this one life or in the course of your entire existence as a, as a being, as a soul, You can only live in a way that's not aligned with who you are for so long. There has to be a correction. And it's kind of like what's happening with our society right now. There's a huge correction that's going on on a global scale. We've gone so far down the road of um, misalignment, disconnection, disempowerment, that the correction is looking like it might be quite drastic. But nonetheless, the correction is inevitable because there's an actual frequency of truth of ma'at that runs through society. We can't get too far. Like further we get away, the more the resistance is that's going to snap us back. Um, why was I saying that, Natalie? What am I talking about? I went off track, didn't I? No, it's all good. It's all good. There's there's so much to dive into. Um, I wanted to ask you also about the work you've been doing with different organizations. And obviously over here in New Zealand, we have same but different Um in terms of, I think you mentioned in your bio, the TGA and other things like, how much is it, how much can we do? So the question was really around empowerment, like what can we do to be more empowered? And you, you did answer that. But in terms of the, um, as individuals versus the legal, let's go to the law side of things. Um, obviously you can use Australia as an example, but I imagine New Zealand similar. What are the, what is the best route? I mean, there's always things coming around, petitions for us to sign, or maybe, you know, issues going around that we can support or not support. What is the best way that we can make traction um, in terms of the legal side of things in our own countries? Um, The legal system is a facet of broader society. And as a human rights lawyer, I also look at sociology and history and um, because a necessary element of a legal system are the people that make up the legal system, the judges, the barristers, the lawyers, they're all people, they're all part of society. And why am I saying this? Over the past few years, I've been suing the government in the court about what's going on with COVID, along with a, a, a team of other people. And one of the outcomes of that has been, in summary, that the courts have 
taken the government advice on notice and dismissed expert evidence that says something that doesn't align with what the government is saying. There are complicated reasons for that. Some of them involve some corruption in terms of how the legal system is supposed to operate, but some of them also just involve the fact that the legal system is made up of human beings. And just as a large part of society at the moment is conditioned and distracted and confused by the very intricate spells that are cast around us and illusions that are cast around us, it's the same for lawyers. It might be worse because lawyers live in this little bubble and they usually don't have a very broad spectrum of life experience and they're quite arrogant. We're trained to be combative and and to be very narrow in our thinking. So it might be even more difficult for lawyers to be uncomfortable and begin to accept something that might make their reputation threatened or might make them seem to be subversive. Um, what can we do in terms of the context of a legal system? Um, there's two parts. There's two answers. First answer is, as society shifts, the legal system will shift as well because it has to. It's not going to have a choice. In any system, and this is the sociological point, in any system, 10% of a system resisting the system makes the system unsustainable. That's a maxim in sociology. It happened, it's happened over and over again throughout history. That's how great societies and governments and cultures have fallen again and again and again in the Roman Empire. Um, there's so, obviously so many examples because 10% of the system is in active resistance to the system. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Like if you had 10% of a population actively resisting what the governing body politic was trying to do, they couldn't do anything. To give an example from Australia, um, there were obviously vaccine mandates everywhere. In Western Australia, the, they, they tried to bring in a vaccine mandate for nurses, but 16% of the nurses there said, we don't want to get the vaccine. And so much so that we're willing to walk and leave our jobs if you force this on us. Well, that was too much for the system to be sustainable. So they had to walk it back and not implement the vaccine mandate. They were the only state in Australia where a vaccine mandate wasn't passed for, for nurses because it wouldn't have been sustainable. That kind of active resistance is is key. And it, that's that's where the power comes from. It comes from the individual. It doesn't come from the legal system. Mm. The 10% legal... of critical mass, it sounds really doable to me. It is doable. It's very doable. I think we've already, in a societal sense, we've already hit way much more than 10 percent it's just such a complex web to be sort of unraveled that it's going to take a lot of time i mean we saw recently in australia the voice um which was a referendum that yeah. the government tried to pass um and 60 percent of people said no and a huge it's complicated but a huge aspect of that was just distrust in government government doesn't know what they're doing they don't have people's best interests at heart um, we don't trust what they're trying to do. There's massive scrutiny now on every single bill. You know, in Australia, we had the misinformation, disinformation bill. I think I talked about it on Reality Check Radio, actually. Um, and they're trying to censor speech. I know they're doing the same thing in New Zealand. New Zealand's yeah. a little bit further down that road, although the change in government might um, halt that. We'll see. Oh, Jacinda's but, still trying to push that, but I, I don't think it's going to work. Jacinda? Yeah. Or she's gone off to the WEF or something. She yes, but she's still trying to be like in charge of the whole misinformation. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. There you go. Mm. Um, she just can't let it go. Huh? No. Um, but there was a massive screw. They released a bill in Australia, a draft bill, a draft law, and there was 
5,000 legal submissions made, not from lawyers, of a, you know, a couple of legal ones, but just from citizens, people in the public who were like, we don't like this, here's all the reasons why. And they were so overwhelmed that they had to go back to the drawing board and we haven't heard anything about it since. They're going to keep trying and they'll repackage it and reframe it. But there is massive, massive eyes on what the government is doing now. Simultaneously, individuals and communities are rising up and making that decision I talked about before to do what they know is right and true. Mm. And, you know, once you do that enough times, you're not willing to compromise anymore, no matter what. And it's going to be very difficult. And I, I say it's already impossible for the plans that they have in motion to actually succeed. And that tipping point of 10%, that critical mass has already been reached. There's an elder, um, a senior lawman, um, senior lawman Juma, who's one of the most senior lawmen in Australia. And he said, he says that in the spiritual realm, we've already won. It's just a matter of actualizing that in the in the physical reality around us. And I think that's true. I think we can sense that. Um, it doesn't mean things aren't going to be difficult, uncomfortable, traumatic. Um, we look around the world. You know, I just got back from Egypt um, about a month ago or a couple of months ago now. And it's an example of a place where things are much more intense than here. Um, you know, the economy is literally collapsing. People can't afford groceries. The power gets shut off for four, five, six hours a day. Um, these are all things that we think might happen. You know, we talk about this. Is there going to be a food shortage? Is there going to be, is the economy going to collapse? A lot of this stuff is already happening around the world and it thrusts people into fight or flight mode to a large extent. We're quite lucky in Australia and New Zealand that we've had a lot of time and space and to process those potential re realities such that when they hit I think we're going to find that we all come together as a community and, and deal with it without compromising on what we believe in and what we know to be true. So I think there is going to be some difficulty and challenge and trauma, but what's going to happen is that's just going to force us to grow and to be more empowered and to um, be even more brave and um, live in the way that we know is true. And that's what's actually going to create the type of society we're all craving, which is one where we are all more brave, courageous. We live in communion, but retain our individual sovereignty, our sovereignty of self in the sanctity of community. It's not just sovereignty of self in isolation. People talk about sovereignty. Yes, I get it. Very important. Central tenet of human rights law is self-determination, which is a diluted version of sovereignty. Um, but it's the sovereignty of self in the sanctity of community. We are communal, tribal beings who require interdependent social relationships in order to reach our full potential that our brains developed in that way our ability to speak and to have complex forms of language not only developed our complex brains but also is what sets us apart from the rest of of living existence around us um so I think that things are going to be difficult. To go back to the legal system, the legal system will change as the rest of society changes. Um, there are, it is important, that kind of, it's a tool in the toolbox, like th that kind of active resistance, litigation, strategic litigation, every single one of those actions, it just helps to shine the light of truth in that particular space. You know, the legal aspect of society, the the the, the courts, 
and the law is an important element of a society. It's just a very dark place right now. But every time somebody goes there, whether it's a citizen or a lawyer, to be honest, at the moment, it's mostly citizens. There aren't many lawyers who are really being honest. Um, every time a light is shone there, it does have an impact on the judges, the barristers, the lawyers. They see, oh, wow, there's a really big segment of community that feels very strongly about this. Maybe I should think about it. Maybe it's okay for me to think about it as well. Um, maybe I have to think about it because there's so many people outside the courtroom that I don't have a choice but to think about it. So I know it's a roundabout way of answering your question, but I don't, sometimes people think the legal system is going to save us. That's, we can't be thinking any system is going to save us. We're going to save us. Um, the legal system is a tool in the toolbox that can help facilitate a process that's already going on anyway. Um, and it is a powerful tool and it's the tool that I spend my time using, but we've all got our own tools and we all have different ways of facilitating the same process of growth, transition, transformation, awakening, whatever you want to call it, that's currently going on. I think it's such a good reminder for people that uh, it does make a difference. Every, but the thing is, that is not the thing to do. Everything does make a difference. We're heading yeah. towards and and um exceeding this 10% that we're going for that to to make thing to help things to shift. For those of you that are listening, you can send us a text 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear what is resonating for you from this conversation where we've talked um about a whole host of topics, everything from belonging and not compromising through to um upholding and defending the truth. Uh send us a message, let us know what is resonating for you. Two things, Peter, that I want to jump back to that you alluded to. One of them is um, you mentioned that people saying that this is the most innovative time that we've ever been or something like that, like technology. And and I kind of laughed. And, and I do believe, rightly or wrongly, that there are some technologies, innovations, um, inventions that have been hidden as such from us. Um, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, Going forward, when more truth comes to light, do you think there are more advanced technologies that we just don't know about in terms of healthcare or transport or whatever? Of course, the the, the evidence on that point is is very very clear. Um, we the the basic example that most people know about to use my own um, heritage is the the pyramids. I mean, we still don't know how they lifted the 60-ton granite blocks into the top of the king's chamber. We don't have technology today that is capable of doing that. Um, if you dig into that a little bit, you start to learn about things like vibration and sound and the way that our physical reality can be manipulated in ways that we have forgotten about. Um, but there are other, other ways that you can begin to approach those questions as well. I mean, I talked about this, this thing that I, I called the myth of primitivism. I took that phrase from... Um, an Aboriginal man, Tyson Young Kapoorta, who wrote a, a great book called Sand Talk, which is all about this topic. And one of the things that um, he discusses in that book, he's also an academic and he works in a university. And so he's kind of this, he walks in two worlds, kind of like me. I walk in the two worlds of being a person of law, universal law, natural law, but also being a lawyer in this system. He walks in two worlds of his ancient knowledge and culture and also work, walking in the, this world as a scientist and as an academic. And he talks about the human brain. And this is something that actually there's a few studies around. Um, how did we develop such a complicated, complex brain 
which we only use a very small percentage of. You know, there are trillions of neuro connections in our brain that we don't actually use. How did such an organ develop if we weren't actually using and accessing those neural pathways in a much more holistic and human way of being a long time ago? You know, there are obviously lots of different explanations you can throw out there, but one of them is that we were living in a way that actually utilized the entirety of our biological makeup, and that's why we developed this way. Um, that aligns with the scientific reasoning behind all, how all things develop. When we look around us um, and we look in nature, and nature is one of the best ways to understand law because nature doesn't lie. We see systems and cycles and repetitions and patterns in nature that happen no matter what. They're just true. Um, one of those patterns is that things develop in accordance with what they use and what they need, and we're the same. We're not using a huge proportion of our brain. Similarly, uh, using the brain again, <laughs> um, the brain is a fatty organ, which requires any fat, any fatty organ requires a huge amount of nutritional abundance in order to develop and grow. How did we develop such a gargantuan brain compared to any other species on the planet? If we weren't living in a state of supreme nutritional abundance, you can look at the soil and substantiate that further. The nutritional value of the soils around the world is plummeting because of the means of agriculture that we've been using for a few thousand years now. Um, so there are um, lots of signs that help us to understand that there were ways of living and technologies that, um, I mean, the word technology in a broad sense that allowed us to live in a way that was more aligned with who we are and that was more fulfilling as well, that was more natural, more aligned with nature. We have technology now that didn't exist in particular periods of history. And I'm not saying that technology is bad. Um, technology is a tool and like all tools, it can be used for good or for evil. But in general, the way that we live the the education models that we live within and the way that we utilize the tools around us um i believe are not um as beneficial for us as the systems cultures rituals ceremonies that all of our ancestors engaged with and one thing i i like to talk about because it, it brings people in because sometimes when i talk about ancient cultures or indigenous frameworks people feel excluded by that because they don't think they belong to any of that. They think, oh, you're criticizing our thing and you're saying that there was this thing back in the day that was better. It's not what I'm saying at all. All of our ancestors told the same stories. All of our ancestors had very similar perspectives on one truth. You know, whether you go to Celtic history, Gaelic history, my history, ancient Egyptian history, the indigenous history in Australia, the Maoris, doesn't matter which culture you go to. If you go back far enough, not only were there analogous stories and analogous truths being told, often in the form of what we today call myths, um, but for these cultures, myths were, were much more real than they are um, myths. Um, there are analogous stories and analogous truths being expressed. And there was a lot more communication between our ancestors than we 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 tend to think. You know, there are hieroglyphics in Australia on the central coast that nobody can really explain. There's a tribe in the middle of Australia, a, a tribe that still lives traditionally that speaks fluent Russian. There are these incredible 
or things that um, we don't really hear about very often. Obviously, there are pyramids all around the world that that, that most people know about the pyramids in in South America and and Central America, as well as obviously the pyramids in Africa. So we were a lot more connected than we tend to think. And we also, yes, had a lot of access to technologies, you know, um, vibration, sound, anti-gravity. These are all things that you can find stories about and which might help to explain how things like the Great Pyramids were built or Sigiriya in Sri Lanka, which is a huge um, temple inside of a mountain in Sri Lanka that nobody can explain. Um, these anomalies exist all over the world. There are great shows about it now on you know mainstream streaming platforms like even Netflix. These, this is pretty common knowledge now. Most people acknowledge that there were technologies um, existing in our history that no longer exist. Um, and there's complicated reasons for why we've lost those. But there's, you know, one common thread and one of the ways that I came to understand and, and think about what's happening today is that all of our ancestors actually said that the time we're living through now would be a time of, of awakening. My ancestors called it the great awakening of the souls. This time, specifically the 2020s, um, the you know, we heard about the Mayan calendar. People thought the world was going to end in 2012, but actually that was... Um, an apocalypse, the word apocalypse just means transition or transformation. It was the signal of the beginning of a transformation in human consciousness. The Hindus talk about the great cycles of time encapsulated within the great years, and people might know about the Kali Yuga and the period of darkness, which, you know, on their calendar, we're literally just at the precipice of getting out of. We're just beginning the age of Aquarius to use astrology. Yes, um, These are all ways of expressing a new age of human um, consciousness and community and unfortunately growth often requires discomfort <laughs> just like in our own lives being uncomfortable is is what often forces us to change that's happening on a societal level as well and all of our ancestors told us about it so we're pretty lucky in some ways to be living through it even though it's it's not easy um, it's quite an opportunity I am really looking forward to when we do learn um, the true history of New Zealand specifically, but of course, all around the world, I'm I'm just so excited. I'm so fascinated by that. Everything you're talking about, architecture, looking at the bells that were in the churches that they don't have anymore, looking at pyramids that are, are all over the world and, and just so many things. I'm so fascinated by that. And I would love us to be able to talk. Uh, let's say when we go for coffee with our friends, to have conversations that are like that on that deeper level, rather than just some of the basic stuff we sometimes talk about. Um, so I love that we're raising these issues and hopefully people can go away from this interview and say, Hey, I never really thought about how, uh, the pyramids and how they were built and just start to explore and start to ask questions in this environment that a little bit more and more every day, we are able to speak more freely without feeling like we're going to be um, looked at sideways or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the feeling from you that maybe I'm okay. I feel positive about the future. I'm getting the feeling from you that you do just based on some of the stuff you said. But something else you also alluded to is so is illusions and spells that are cast around us. Can you touch on that before we wrap things up? Yeah, we are extremely powerful beings. Uh, we are meaning making machines, and um, whatever or whoever is trying to trap us know that. And one of the only ways that we will comply with injustice and evil is if we are deceived. And spells and illusion and trickery is a great way to deceive us. 
um, in tandem with an education system that is designed to make us susceptible to those kinds of illusions and spells and tricks. Um, everything from the language that we speak to the way that we spend our time combined with the physical reality that we do most of us you know if you live in a city or you live near a city your body is just being absolutely slammed with all kinds of environmental toxins you know most of the food that we eat now is processed and full of chemicals um, all of this makes us susceptible to believe things that the deepest part of us knows aren't actually true um, but my experience is that we are constantly being underestimated and the efficacy of those spells and illusions and tricks is very quickly wearing off. And part of that is cosmological. But I'm just going to go there. Um, in terms of the actual energies that exist on the earth, it's very difficult for those spells and illusions and tricks to be maintained in the context where the very energy of the earth is resistant to it because we're moving into a new age where that kind of deceit and evil um, is not allowed to propagate and, and fester. Um, so even though we are drinking water that's full of fluoride and um, eating processed food, not you and I, but, you know, we, we many of us try to minimise this stuff, obviously, but it's unavoidable to some extent unless you literally live in the middle of nowhere. You know, if you're th – there is an element of environmental toxicity. You were probably educated in an educational system that was designed – to teach you to recall things from memory rather than to actually critically think and learn things for yourself. Um, all of that, you know, the, the social media we consume, the effect of technology on our brains, um, news, all of this stuff um, still hasn't stopped us from having this conversation today. It still hasn't stopped your listeners from choosing to listen to your, your program mm -hmm. and thinking about how can I better my own life? How can I help people around me? How can I help myself? How can I be the fullest realization of myself? I'm craving something that is more than what I'm told we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to have. That's just because we are incredibly powerful beings. We are literally fragmentations of the divine. We chose to come here at this time knowing that what would be happening now is happening now. And we made that choice anyway. That takes so much courage and bravery and so much um um selflessness as well but that's because we're all connected and we know that coming here during this time and shining a light is extremely important it's one of the most important times in history to do that because it's going to help everybody else around you to start thinking that maybe they can shine their light too and then that transition which is inevitable anyway is going to be a li little bit easier and <laughs> um, a little bit more comfortable than it might otherwise be if we sort of bury our heads in the sand and just let things play out. Um, so, yeah, I am optimistic. I, I'm optimistic, but I, I I pepper it with reality, you know, because it's easy to sort of spiritually bypass the reality of what's going on. Um, people are genuinely dying, you know. Uh, people are genuinely in a lot of pain. Um, people are experiencing a lot of trauma. Um, and society in many respects is genuinely collapsing. Um, to me, I because I came at this from a place of not liking society very much, uh, um, part of me is excited by it on the level that I know because I've been told 
in many different ways that what's on the other side of that is a necessary better human existence and the pain of being diluted even if you're comfortable is not worth it to me i would rather go through a period of trauma in order to really find out who the hell i am and i would rather for that to occur on a, on a societal level as well and a cultural level as well um so yeah it's i'm optimistic in in the sense that that's the framework i apply to what's going on um but i do think that we're going to have to be really rely on each other and really help each other over the next few years as this transition occurs because i think it could be a pretty bumpy ride wow that's there it is everybody there it is there's the mic drop right at the very end um that is so spot on i feel and such a, yeah it's 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 important to I do feel positive about the future, but we are going to have to go through some hard times. One of, I don't know if you know this about me, I have a daily purpose statement, something that I connect with every day. And it goes like this every day, I get up to shine the light on people, problems, and possibilities so that we can come together and heal humanity. And just then you were talking about shining the light. And I feel like, yeah, that's right. Everything that we do in our own separate ways, whether it's sign a petition or raise a conversation with someone or maybe someone else acknowledging or apologizing to someone else, everything that we do, it does it does shift things. And um, I feel like it's a slow process, but I know we're, we're getting there. Before we wrap things up, Peter, I'm going to um, just ask you, how can people reach out? How can they connect with you if they want to get in touch? And what is coming up for you in the next few months as well? Um, we're, we're currently in a process of growing Mart's method because we want to be sustainable and we also want to um, really um, take the opportunity that's before us to create a huge platform for truth and a human rights practice for law people who actually understand what a law person is and don't compromise that for anything. Um, if you want to follow along that journey, you can go to our website, um, www.martsmethod.com.au. And if you want to support us, um, you could sign up to our Substack. We started a Substack uh, a few months ago. It's a way of um, learning a bit about law. So we post about both law as in the legal system, human rights law, cases, stuff like that, what's going on in the world. But we also post about natural law and you know, some people might refer to it as L-O-R-E, mm -hmm. um, the law that governs our existence here as human beings. So it's a, a melding of those two worlds, which are the two worlds that I walk in. Um, if you follow us there, you'll get access to all of the articles for free. And we also do uh, podcast episodes where I speak to the articles that I've posted on there as well. So that's a good way to um, follow us and support us if you choose to as well. Um, so they're probably two good ways to follow us. We're on all the corrupt social media platforms as well. <laughs> okay. So for people that are listening, it's dub dub Matt's method, which is M A A T S method.com.au. We will put the link to that and the Substack on the replay page that you can find on the RCR app or on our website as well. Um, I was asking you what's coming up. I'm actually going to rephrase that. Um, if you were to truly up your brave in 2024, what would you do? um yeah just 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 step fully into my power and um um i know that 
this year for me is a year of making moves and uh, creating a life for myself that allows me to live in full alignment with who I am. Um, I've been doing my best to just hold on to a roller coaster for the past few years, and I've been a bit reactive in what I've been doing. I'm trying to apply a bit more strategy and foresight so that I can respond to what's happening and fully take advantage of the opportunity that is here before me in my own life. I know what my path is. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I just want to take it to the next level. So I'm trying to grow um, a community and a platform that fearlessly advocates for and defends for the truth on a large scale, not reliant on any government funding, um, totally independent and uncompromising in that pursuit for what's true. And by doing that, I want to shine the light, like we said, to help other people realize whether they're lawyers or not, that that's a pathway that you can viably take. And not only that, it's a great pathway. It's one of the most rewarding pathways you can take as a human being, which is to identify what you believe to be true and chase it and defend it and advocate for it as best as you can. Well, that sounds like an, a powerful thing to do. So you guys can get in touch with Peter if you want to be part of that journey. I've already made a list, by the way, of like five people that I'm excited to connect you with because I am a, a big nerd and a super connector. So, um, but if anyone else out there listening, um, even if you just go and share this interview, that's powerful. That's shining the light. You know, somebody listening might think this is a powerful interview. Go and share it with someone in your life or post it on social media if you feel inclined. It all makes a difference. Peter, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to say or share with our audience today? Um, yeah, just, just keep going. You know, I think if you're here, you're somebody who your heart is in the right place and you're connected to a desire to do what's right and just, and I appreciate that. And I love you and thank you for um, being here and thank you for choosing to live in such a difficult time, but choosing to do your best because that's exactly what we all need. So, that's all. Just um, thank you. I'm with you. And let's keep going into 2024. Amazing. Thanks so much, Peter. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It was such an honor to talk to Peter Pham about a whole host of things, but specifically the topic empowerment, law, and living with truth. We talked about belonging and not compromising. And I love how he said, you know, I'm a lawman and a keeper of the law. How many of us are keepers of the law in our own way? I think many of us, actually, with what we did, what we didn't do, what we said um, in the past few years and going forward, hopefully. So some of the other things we talked about with Peter is that empowerment, true empowerment, is doing what you know is right, irrespective of the consequences. So spot on. And do, he says, do, do what you told us, do what is right and true, and we are meaning-making machines. We also talked about that. You can find out what Peter is up to. His main place to check him out would be probably on LinkedIn, but also on his website, www.mattsmethod.com.au, and I'll spell it for you, mattsmethod, M-A-A-T-S, method.com.au. And he's got that substack with a whole host of more information waiting for you all around natural law and lore. So you can check that out. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
Welcome back, everybody. You're here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio on the Up Your Brave show. And my next guest is a longtime friend who is doing something very exciting. Her name is Basha Meyer, and we're going to be talking about New Earth NZ 2024. Welcome to the show, Basha. Hey, wonderful, Nat. Thank you so much, Natalie, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, yes, we've known each other for quite a while, and I'm super excited. Me too. I am so excited to talk about this. For those of you that don't know Basha, Basha is of Swiss-German descent. She is a global entrepreneur, visionary, passionately supporting emerging entrepreneurs as they transform and break through to create freedom lifestyle with abundance flow. She's a fashion designer. That was her first career. And then a near-death experience shifted her into the healing arts, also international mediumship, and Basha has organized and led many wellness events in New Zealand and globally. She is now based in the subtropical north of New Zealand, together with her Swiss-born partner of 27 years. Congratulations. After their two children finished Steiner education in Wellington, they left city life behind, making a conscious decision to live a life of simple organic lifestyle, magical healing, um, on magical healing land, surrounded by ducks, hens, and kiwi sanctuary, creating what she calls New Earth NZ, fests and spaces for guests to reset their business and personal life and focus in New Zealand, in New Zealand's pure nature surroundings. Equally, opportunities for young travelers who want to experience New Zealand's sustainable practices of zero waste and repurposing, self-healing, from the peaceful land, she is still active globally online with Alchemy Gold Consulting and Coaching, and also advising on eco-community models. Basha believes that nothing burns more fiercely in the soul than the desire to be yourself and live the life of your dreams. Well, Basha, so amazing. And what a journey you've had. I kind of, I'm tempted to ask you about that near-death experience, but I won't. I really want to focus this interview today um, on New Earth NZ because it's so timely. This is an event that's coming up really soon. Um, so as a starting point, I'd love it if you could give us a little bit of the backstory. How did it come to be and what is it exactly? So the shift from uh, Wellington to the land um, was the catalyst and the land um, is pure nature setting. So it's a real wonderland and uh, gave us a chance to sort of reset ourselves. Uh, my partner and I, and we usually work with a core team, which we are for New Earth NZ 2024 as well, of course. Um, we felt that we really, our base passion is to bring people together for celebration, for dancing, dancing is healing, dancing is, you know, raising vibration. So we decided to uh, start to do that as the land is conducive. It um, is a beautiful Paradise Valley and it's well set up for this type of event. Um, my background has been spending 12 years in the New Zealand festival scene as a presenter at Conscious New Zealand Summer Festivals and then multiple different uh, larger events in Europe and in Wellington as well. So it seemed like that's the new role and we've embraced it and super excited to bring new Earth NZ together. It is very exciting. And 
Where is it? Let's just do some basics so people can get the idea. Maybe pop it in their calendar. Actually, you guys, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be presenting, and I'm very excited about that. Um, and I know that you've got so many amazing people lined up doing presentations and music. So it's 29 Feb to the 3rd of March. What can people expect? Like, there will be some people like uh, that have never been to anything like that before like they maybe have been to a concert you know in a big stadium but they haven't been to like a kind of that festival vibe what is the vibe what can people expect um and what else do they need to know yeah it's a new thing seat uh is consciousness so we're into zero waste practices and it is um really all about beautiful quality music so it is a festival like many others in New Zealand um, I feel like, yeah, our uniqueness stands in that we are the first visionary music festival. So there is a focus on high-quality workshops, like I'm very passionate about workshops, which I know that you're doing a human design one. And these workshops are quite bespoke. So there's everything from Maori astrology to really authentic shamanic journeying and also just visionary wisdom keepers we have um, the beautiful acclaimed Judy Satori, who's New Zealand-born, and she very rarely presents in New Zealand. So she's actually coming to hold two deepening workshops plus an hour's presentation on the main stage. And she will speak to this transitionary time. I mean, it's been coming on for a while, which I'm sure a lot of listeners here can relate to, uh, This what is called this new earth transition amongst many uh, fast changes we're going through. And um, the new earth can mean a lot of things to many people. But if we just look at it as the shift to, you know, more community spirit coming together in community collaboration, uh, co-creation as uniting uh, with like-minded others is really the way forward. And so she will also speak to New Zealand as being that incubator, Mm. especially 2024 of new beginnings the incubator it used to be part of the ancient civilization of Mu and there are dormant coding like light coding which is a you know is a quantum uh, sound medicine basically and she will speak a lot to that and there are also amazing presenters that will be singing and sounding you know especially in 432 hertz um, music which promotes um the feeling of calm, peace, unity. I love that. You know, the presentation I'm doing, which is around raising and sustaining your high frequency using human design and essential oils. But a lot of people haven't thought about music and the impact that music has. And some music that we hear on the radio, not a good impact, not a good frequency. So um, that's why I'm excited about this, because people that have been with me for a while on Up Your Brave, they know I love to interview people about holistic health and healing spirituality, as well as empowered parenting and all sorts of topics. But there's nothing like bringing people together in person. Yeah. You know, like, mm. tell, let us know a little bit why, like, what can, you know, what is the, the magic behind bringing people together? I know you're huge on community, bringing people together, IRL, right, in real life, not just for an event. Like, I've run lots of workshops and events, you know, that are three hours, you know, or, but this is like over a period of days. So tell me a little bit about the impact that that can have surrounding yourself in person with people, um, 
learning new things, immersing yourself in nature, what kind of impact can that have? Why is that so vital? Yeah, I feel it's vital because, you know, we we all have this longing to retreat and reset. And very often we in reality might be able to have three days away somewhere. The first day we're just getting settled and then, we, and then we're already packing to leave. The joy of being in a pure nature setting. So the focus of all our events is that we're providing beautiful organic land. So the land already has powerful healing energies beautiful spiritual history to it um even barry brailsford had it on his sacred journey tours and so it is the land that also holds everybody energetically and then if you can imagine this incredible container this let's call it a sacred container of um aligned um conscious people or people that are really just on the fringe, you know, that work really hard, maybe in the centre of Auckland City, but they're really looking. There's so many people that are looking for that shift or that change or they've had a really hard time. Just imagine that vibration coming together with coupled with, you know, fire dances, music, healers and the healing glade by the river, being able to bathe in Springfield and the presenters offering uh, high vibrational presentations, basically. So it is about then in the macrocosm, raising consciousness, which will ripple out to the cosmos. And equally, when everyone leaves and goes home again, they can take that with them in their heart. And their energy field will also be vibrating on a really healthy, higher level. So, you know, there's only benefits, I believe. And when you really have time, like we've crafted the program not to be overwhelming. Mm. So there is time to really sit down, maybe over a beautiful vegan dish for lunch or a nice salad wrap and connect with someone you'd love to have a conversation with instead of already racing off to the next workshop, forgetting your yoga mat or your cushion. We also have a small forest in a forest stage which is a cosmic light temple in the evening. So the forest is full of fairies and magic. And of course, the the nature holds a certain calm and peace. Yeah. You know, I really feel like in terms of divine timing, you know, people, and I've said this a lot on my show, but people really are ready to reflect and to learn and to go inward, you know, learn about themselves and learn about looking at the world differently than we've been told. And I feel like, Something like this, you know, people can listen to tons of interviews, which is amazing. And I love it. And I love that I can bring them that. But something like this that you're creating a space, carving out space in their calendar, but also physically a space that people can come together and learn, but not, like you said, not at a rushed, crazy pace, at a really at a, a pace where they can just be present and learn. Yeah, exactly. And there's also Kids Paradise Zone which will hold, you know, four days of creative activities. So it's very family-friendly. So parents can, you know, run off to their workshops knowing that their children are playing in the large treehouse with with the beautiful team or painting rocks or going on guided fairy walks in the forest. So we're creating, like, um, spaces that everyone has really got that time to follow their heart. So Mm. it's a very heart-led festival. And I also believe that, you know, you're emceeing the incredible uh, 15-minute talks, which will be featured in the forest. 
and people are sharing topics that just are, are so next level. Like when I was scheduling them, they were blowing me away. Like I want to be there. Mm-hmm. I got goosebumps. So from that point, it is visionary. It's like ancient futures. One of our zones is called ancient futures. There's so much um, sort of wisdom-keeping knowledge being shared over the four days. But equally, it is about how the the ancient times also support us moving forward. I mean, to be honest, a lot of us are, I mean, I, I live barefoot. I, you know, I have my hens and grow my gardens now. Like four years ago, I was living in Wellington City. So there's a lot of us that are seeking solace in nature and looking at a simpler life um, and how we can connect for very many reasons, which I'm sure I don't need to go in here, how we can start to exchange between us and support each other through this challenging time we're facing. Mm. Absolutely. It's such a good reminder. I've got the program in front of me, and I know that not everyone's going to be able to make it there. So even if you can't make it there, I'm sure you can take something from this interview, even just a reminder like, oh, yeah, I should, you know, walking bare, not just walking barefoot, but being barefoot most of the time, like making that your default setting um, in the house, but especially obviously out of the house. I just went around this morning. I like, I feed the guinea pigs. I go around the back of the property. I hang the washing. I carry on to the other side, water my veggie garden. Um, And yeah, I am, I intentionally take off my shoes because I know the benefits of grounding. So I'm I'm hoping everyone can take something away, but I am going to tempt you with letting people know the schedule just because if they hear this, they might be able to make, you know, get the travel situation sorted and be there. So I, what I can see here, you've got the next level workshops, bush medicine, shamanic journeying, kundalini yoga, fusion dance, galactic heritage, Maori astrology. You've got a tribal zone with drumming, fire dance performances. Uh, it says great cuisine delights. This is my question because I'm not really one to cook a lot. Are there going to be food trucks? Like, Do I just rock up and buy things? <laughs> so we have a, a, a beautiful selection of cuisine. So everything from your vegetarian, vegan, we've got um, wonderful Hare Krishna chefs on site. And as you know, they, you know, they pray mantras into their food and um, all the food will be at an affordable price. And then we have uh, pizzas, which also have uh, delicate, delicacy cheeses on them. So I think, you know, when I look at the the whole range that we will be having, there's something for everyone because it's important for our team that we're providing food for all different tastes. So, you know, it won't be just only vegan, like we'll be getting to bring all your food and and all those sort of things and um, have a conversation with the vendors because they're all amazing people. They're freedom-loving people. Um, They've all got stories to tell. And, you know, going back to your grounding thing, you know, I I just realised, of course, we're all sleeping on Mother Earth here. I mean, yes, it is mainly camping, but there's a lot of people bringing their little caravans, their um, sleeping vehicles, their camper vans. But, you know, it is so good for us just to have a night or two uh, sleeping on, on Mother Earth. And, you know, we can do that wherever we live. I mean, even in the backyard, wherever you live, if you're in a city, how about making, you know, put the tent up for the children, have a mm. night with them in the backyard. That's, as you said, that's all about grounding. And um, 
it's it's wonderful. And the weather's incredible. I mean, it's been so subtropical up here. Everyone's been swimming in the river. You know, some of our volunteer crew are already here. Um, we've got amazing decors that are being created out of recycled materials and murals being painted. So it is a place of creativity and we love creative expression. So bring your dress ups for the nostalgia night on Friday because we have a four hour set of dance music, an amazing band from the far north. And um, yeah, bring bring whatever you feel like wearing. Amazing. So for for Far North Band 484 playing a four hour dance set. Very cool. Also healers. So there's lots of learning, but also can we get treatments? Like is there 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 healers on site? And that would be something people can get pay extra and get that. Yeah. Sure. So we have a beautiful little integration temple, which will have like oracle cards and crystals. Mm. <clears throat> so it's a bell tent if someone just wants to chill out there in the healing zone. Um, they can just be on their own and do that. Then we have a lovely healing village. It's all in that area of the festival by the river. So you can go. I, Basha, it's a little glitchy. I'm just massage, it's just it's, Oh, yep. They can um, go and have a massage, body work, a reading, um, reflexology session. We've got amazing Rob Robertson. As you know, he's a colleague of yours. He's going to be set up. We've got probably England's most acclaimed hand reader. I think no one's ever had their hand read. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a complete healing zone. Of course, we'll have first aid here. So it's a really beautiful space to to just go and spend a bit of time, like like in a wellness hotel somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. At the end, I'm going to ask you more about how people can get tickets. Uh, but for those of you that might have just started tuning in, I'm talking today to Basha Meyer about New Earth NZ 2024, which is happening um, 20 minutes north of Kerry Kerry. I don't know if we said the location. And that's happening 29 of Feb to the 3rd of March, uh, which is very exciting. So Basha, Actually, maybe now. Can you let people know if they're just listening and they want to find out, they want to look it up? How can they find out more or book tickets? How does that work? Yeah, so for New Earth NZ, um, either just go on Humanitics, Google Humanitics and put a New Earth NZ and it will pop up and that is the ticketing platform. There's a lot of event description, just about every question's answered there. Or just pop onto our website, www.newearthnz.com or lowercase. We also do have some exclusive day passes, which, um, but ideally it is an immersion festival because we are coming together in some ways for four days uh, through dance and celebration and resting and swimming in the river and our new mocktail bar will be open. So, but there are some day passes. So that is the easiest way to find out event information. And um, we are offering a little special for all the Reality Check Radio people because I know there's a lot of freedom-loving people listening. So our code is ELEVATE, which is quite a cool word. ELEVATE, write it down. And you enter that when you go to buy your tickets and there's a discount, a juicy discount waiting for you. It is limited numbers. So it's like, you know, whoever gets on there first has that opportunity so um, we really appreciate your support to make this the most incredible supporting festival, supporting um, the arts and musicians New Zealand, because, boy, they need it after 
the mm. you know the cyclones and and all the years of um difficulties we've all had yeah and i feel like it'll be kind of like coming together as a celebration to celebrate everything we've all been through which is you know at times been very challenging on different levels for different people so um and then you know heading into 2024 the the year of the wooden dragon and it's it's time for a change in energy. Um, so you're talking about how this is not necessarily a spiritual fest. It's all about energy and vibration and frequency. What do you what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, we don't call it a spiritual festival, uh, although, of course, everything in life is spiritual, but it tends to, like, put our, our gathering into a box. So what we are, though, focused on uh, with together with the new earth because that is shifting everybody into a new vibration or the opportunity mm. so frequency transmission those words you'll hear presenters talking over the four days and you'll learn what that is if that's new to you so that's actually super cool because for some people there's a new like words and they don't hear them much and so transmissions activations frequency vibration um, we're all, we're all energy. So I think sometimes we forget, you know, energy can never be destroyed, but it can be transmuted, shifted, changed. So this is this, this coming together to raise our vibration. Music is always one of the most awesome vehicles to do that. And we will have a tribal fire going, you know, a lot People would love to just dance around a fire and make a few sounds, but never give themselves that permission. So join all the drummers and just really, really maybe also challenge yourself. You know, it's 2024. It's the year of the dragon. It's about empowerment and also gifting you a new beginning opportunity. Do something you've never done before. Mm. You know, um, that is a great opportunity for all of that and intention setting. So, um, yep. I'm excited. I mean, it's it's actually quite new to me. I've only been to one, you know, festival type of event before. I've been to tons of events. I've been to loads of concerts. Um, so, and I, you know, tons of workshops and things like that. It's it's a it's new to me too. It's actually exciting and, and a little bit I don't know daunting, maybe not intimidating. So, um, I'm excited to see some of you guys there. If you're listening and you're coming along, message me um, up your brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh or up your brave on Instagram. Let me know that you're coming so we can literally try to message each other and find each other. How many people are going to be there? How hard is it going to be to find each other in the crowd? Yeah, so it's a boutique. And um, our land is actually, it has so many beautiful little pockets and native trees. And so the layout of the festival is quite compact, which is super cool because you'll see the market stalls in the distance. You'll see the healer's glade. You'll see the main stage. So you will meet your friends. And also that energy will, of course, draw you together. So don't be daunted because really this is like an event that, <laughs> that's just spread out over four days. So you, you, you're you actually experiencing so many events in one ticket in one go, but yet it's been crafted not to be overwhelming. Um, and so I think you'll, you'll absolutely love it, totally love it. 
I will. And the other thing, you you mentioned Rob Robertson. So Rob Robertson, some of you might have heard him. He was a previous guest on my show. He also hosts mm. the uh, Stargate Forest Retreat Center, where I run my forest retreat. By the way, everybody, it's coming up in May. I was going to do it in March. Um, I've got so much going on. I, I just pushed it back to May. We're doing it in May from the 17th till the 20th. Um, but Rob's going to be presenting, which will be amazing. And another previous guest, Bridget Clare, who mm-hmm. talked on my radio show all about um, nature and the importance of being out in nature. And she's going to be presenting as well. So you can connect with some RCR guests as well as me if you come along. Very exciting. Yeah, there's quite a few amazing different um, presenters coming, like Jules Bright, who's a very well-known, really authentic. I mean, the selection is, you know, authentic experience presenters. So she's also a medicine woman and she'll be doing the Sacred Earth workshop. And no doubt she'll be taking people foraging, teaching you what can we use in our backyard? What can we use from the forest to make a meal? I mean, maybe one day we're going to have to do that, right? Um, so it's always a good skill. It's always a good skill to have. And the other thing too is we, uh, everyone's like on a natural high. And I'll just say that because we're a drug and alcohol-free festival. It is a safe zone for children and teenagers. So, you know, everyone is just really happy to be there and to be in that vibe. And Naturally it's like a, happy. Like a natural happiness. So Nice. Uh, I think that's important to mention as well. Absolutely. That's so good. I, I feel like we've given people a good overview. I really wanted to shine some light on on this as I, I do. I love to bring, um, you know, I like to say I love to shine the light on on people and possibilities. And this is just a possibility for people if they're craving that in-person connection, but also to immerse themselves in learning or healing Uh, There's nothing like doing it over a series of days rather than like I've done a lot of, you know, booking appointments with a healer here or there, but there's nothing like a series of days and connecting with amazing people. And then I just go, you know, thank you universe for whatever possibilities and opportunities and synergy comes from this experience. And I just kind of put it out there and I'm excited about it. Yeah. The last day, our fourth day is a day of integration because, you know, Saturday night and Friday night. I mean, we also have a quiet camping zone for those people that might think, oh, I won't be able to sleep or my kids can't sleep. So we have a beautiful upper terrace, which is quiet camping with a community lounge and everything like that. So basically the last day is what we call an integration day. So there'll be unscheduled stage space. There'll be more co-creative offerings. So, you know, you also, like you said, you go and see a healer. You're going to maybe have a cup of tea with the healer that gave you a massage on day one, or you have another question. Like it's one sort of almost like one new earth NZ tribe. By the fourth day, it'll feel a bit like a family. Mm. And so you actually get to see people uh, not just in a healing room, shut the door, and then you book in a month later. Feel free to approach these people because yeah. everyone is here to share their mahi, to share their gifts. Mm. Um, and that is the new earth way. And coming from all over New Zealand, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd love to ask you a question, yeah. Basha. Um, it's it's my up your brave question. Uh, and in 2024, we're looking forward. So what is, if you were to truly up your brave in 2024, what is something that you would do, be, or experience? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I'd like to also, you know, bring my partner into this because so it is for me, but also we work, we've been working closely together for a long time and um, also congratulate our team that's putting, helping to put this uh, event together. So upping our brave is that um, we would like to sort of go back to what I was doing probably about 10 years ago is to hold some more retreats, but not a new disease, offering the opportunity for people to travel. Like I've lived in Bali, I've lived in Europe for 12 years. We would like to start to offer, I mean, my partner's a tourism expert, so together we would like to open and widen the global sharing of um, offerings, but equally offering opportunities to presenters from New Zealand, artists, musicians, that so would like to have more exposure. I'm all about seeing what are people's natural gifts and talents and how to support them on a wider platform. That's one of the things. The other thing that we've really upped our brain is that we work, both my partner and I work with the mantra trust and transparency. We've gone through experiences over the last few years where that is just not the case in our dealings with professionally or even privately. So we are now just really saying, look, our inner circle may be quite small or getting smaller, but we really are choosing consciously to stay and be aligned with those that are of a similar vibration that are working with trust and transparency because we feel that from that core, you know, it's like a new earth core, everything can mm-hmm. flourish. Um, so I guess we're, we're, we're being more discerning about where we spend our time and actually who we spend it with. Well, which was a valuable lesson that so many people learned in the past four years, being intentional um, and discerning, you know, similar words, as I imagine they're um, synonyms in a way, but I like that trust and transparency. What are you courageously creating? What are you bringing forth in 2024? So, uh, yes, I was, um, I have already co-authored one Amazon book, Amazon bestseller called Freedom by Design. So um, that was my step into book writing. That was an incredibly healing experience because I think when you're writing and you're talking about your life's journey or adversities, your challenges, it, there is a big healing element. So Freedom by Design now is um, invited to be part of the Unstoppable, which is a book for women. And the moment that invitation came through, I really felt that affinity that I have always had working with women in my retreats. and. So that book launch, so in between juggling the festival and everything like that, the chapter's written, it's been submitted, and the book is going to be launched towards the end of February. So that will be taken into an online training that I'm in the middle of developing. It's a three-month training, might be self-paced, I'm not sure yet. And off the back of that, the goal is to have a live quality retreat in an overseas exotic country, which I won't say where it is right now. So, yeah, 2024 is about expansion. Mm. And expansion is all about what the world dragon energy is about as well. So it's in a nutshell expansion and also to refine how I spend my time. Yeah, those two things. Sounds so good. I didn't know that about the expansion. I Interestingly, I've been using the phrase 
expansive impact. Um, and because I am expanding my Empowered Connections networking clubs around New Zealand, I'm not running them all. I am delegating and empowering other women, but I've been using the phrase expansive impact. So that's very interesting. I'm uh-huh. synergistic. Uh-huh. And you know, expansion can be many things. We can just expand within us, you yes. know, or we can just expand on an idea. It doesn't mean we have expand to expand our right. mindset. Yeah. Or yeah. just be more expansive enough frequency. So, you know, come to New Earth and said, and you're certainly will feel a shift in the expansion of your frequency. <laughs> so it can only be for, for the greater good, for your family, for, you know, your work, whatever, whatever someone is really passionate about. Amazing. Well, keep us posted on those exciting things you've got coming up. The book Unstoppable and Bridget, I think, also has a chapter in that book. So let Great. us know later when where we can get it. What else is coming up? Um, and most, more importantly, how can people reach out and get in touch with you? I know we already mentioned they can go to newearthnz.com or they can look up on Humanitix. But where else are you on socials if they want to connect with you directly, maybe to find out about the book or to maybe come and do a retreat at your venue? Because I know you host other events and retreats there. People can run their own. How can they get in touch with you personally? Yep. If it's for retreats, um, we have events at cheerful.com. So the word cheerful, really <laughs> easy to remember. If it is more about having a private Zoom session with me or coming to do a retreat and adding on a couple of add-on private sessions and ancestral healing, soul clarity, mediumship, property alchemy, whatever, then um, Facebook business page is Alchemy Goal Coaching and Consulting. So that's the easiest way is to just send me a private message through there if it's event related or retreat related or casual camping, events at cheerful.com. That reminds me, you know, you and I have known each other for about nine or 10 years. And I remember, oh, constellation, that's the word. I went to one of your, you did this family constellation event, uh, I don't know, six years ago or seven. And I went along mm-hmm. to that. So you, you've got such a range that you do that you help people with. So I, I just want to you know, mention that as well, because if there will be people listening that go, listen, I just can't come to New Earth NZ, but I'm really keen to learn more about the alchemy side of things and and the work that you do. So thank you for letting them get in touch with you personally. Uh, Before we wrap it up, Basha, is there anything else you want to mention generally or about the upcoming New Earth NZ? Um, I'll tell you everyone the dates again, 29 Feb to 3rd of March. Just like to remind you to write down the word elevate, uh, hop on that humanities ticketing Mm -hmm. platform, and uh, get your juicy discount to come along to the festival and also there are some exclusive day passes. And so, yeah, any support is much appreciated. Uh, Setting up a festival is no mean feat, like high rising upfront costs. I can talk to all my festival colleagues, they're all in the same situation. But we have this driving passion to bring people together, Mm -hmm. even if it ends up that we need to spend money from our own own savings. We still do it because we absolutely are passionate about what we do. So yeah, and I would just like to reiterate what you said at the beginning. I think you read out my favorite uh, sentence, you know, nothing burns more deeply in our soul than the burning desire to be ourselves and live the life of our dreams. You know, whatever that is for, for every single individual and collectively, um, that really supports me through my life to to live the you know my greatest potential in this life. 
So I'd like to just leave the listeners again with that uh, quite powerful statement. Thank you so much for your time. Such a good reminder. And thank you so much, Basha, for talking to us today. We will remember to expand and also elevate. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Natalie. If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. It was so great to chat with Basha Meyer. We've been friends, as I mentioned, for many, many years. I knew her back in the day when she lived in Wellington. And every time I went to visit my parents, we would aim to catch up, which was really, really cool. Um, and now she's up north. And, you know, I don't often I don't often get around. I'm, I'm very much a homebody and I'm kind of looking forward to and kind of nervous about um, going to the festival. I am excited to be presenting on a topic that is not business. You know, I normally do present a lot on business um, and collaborations and stuff, but I'm going to be talking about raising your frequency through human design and essential oils. And I'm hoping to see some of you there. It's happening. Um, the the New Earth NZ 2024 is a festival in person happening on 29 Feb to 3rd of March. Would love to see you there. Let me know. Send me a message um, probably on Up Your Brave on Instagram or Facebook. If you are going, let me know. We can look out for each other. You can learn more and you can use the promo code ELEVATE to get a little a discount on your tickets. She's listed it on Humanitics and you can go there and look up New Earth NZ 2024 on Humanitics and otherwise www.newearthnz.com. So that was amazing to hear what Bosch is up to, what she's created, and very in line with what I love, which is bringing people together specifically in person for um, sharing their gifts, their talents, their wisdom, their insight, but also just being present and enjoying each other's company and creating new memories as well. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Up Your Brave show. We've had three incredible guests. And if you're just joining us now, um, you can definitely go and catch the replay later on today where I spoke to Wendy V, all around Soul Align Living. We also chatted with Peter Pham on Empowerment, Law and Truth. And finally wrapped it up talking to Basha Meyer all about New Earth NZ 2024. We had some great songs as well. Speaking of songs, if you've got songs you would love me to play, or ideally, right, Kiwi artists, or if you're an up-and-coming artist here in New Zealand or an expat overseas, and you've got something on Spotify or YouTube, I am more than happy to shine the light on you and to play your song. Similarly, as mentioned, I've got so many incredible guests coming up, but always open to your suggestions and requests. I'm even open to doing a panel at some stage. So send me a message, 2057, on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. Let me know topics or um, music that you would love to hear. Looking forward to sharing some more insights with you and hearing your reflections. I'll see you next week on the Up Your Brave show. Until then, remember, be who you are and up your brave. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.